Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy, founder of KidsViews.com. I'm here in the studio today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hi. And Andrea Smith, technology guru extraordinaire. And today we are talking about two topics, dear. Really, like, these are things we talk about all the time. It's like stress and screens. (laughs) (laughs) But we have two special segments on it. The first segment, we're going to tackle meditation in the classroom and in schools and how schools are starting to implement um, meditation into their classrooms, if it's working, what we think of it how we wish we could meditate. <laughs> and then we have a special guest, Devorah Heitner, who is the author of ScreenWise, Helping Kids Thrive and Survive in Their Digital World. We're going to tackle, this is more than just screen time. This is actually how you as a parent with your own set of social skills and life, even not about technology, can apply it to help your kids and guide them through their new digital life. And then we will have our Bites of the Week. We are brought to you this week by Ibotta. So you guys know I love a deal, especially when it's real cash back. And right now I'm saving every time I shop on groceries, clothes, beer, wine, restaurants, and more. Things that I'm buying anyway, now I can get real cash back. I'm going to let you in on my secret. Ibotta. I-B-O-T-T-A. Here's how it works. If you don't already have Ibotta, download the app now to your phone. It's free. It's I-B-O-T-T-A. Unlock the rebates on Ibotta. Shop as usual. Verify and get real cash. It's the hottest app, so easy to use. Plus, with Ibotta, you can get real cash back on your favorite apps like Groupon, iTunes, Delivery.com. This is, you know, we are in prime holiday season, mm-hmm. people. You should be using this so you're getting cash back on all those purchases and all of the food you're ordering because you don't want to cook because you're cooking all the time for holidays. <laughs> so grab your phone and download Ibotta right now, free from the App Store, I-B-O-T-T-A, and enter in PARENT as your referral code to get $10 just for trying it. 10 bucks. Download Ibotta today. That's I-B-O-T-T-A and enter code PARENT when you register for your $10. Cash back every time you shop. You've got a Ibotta. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. So we are talking about this article in Upworthy, which, you know what? Upworthy used to be just videos, right? <laughs> now they have like full articles with yeah. like a little video, but they've been doing, they've been expanding into uplifting articles, which I actually like better because I felt like they never had any original content and yeah. they just shared stuff and then made money under the guise of Upworthy of sharing positive things, but it right. was all other people's content, which is, which is a business model. It is. It is. I don't approve. But anyway, this was a really cool article about schools replacing detention with meditation. And, you know, we've talked about schools taking away recess and phys ed and, like, how that absolutely just adds to like when you have a kid misbehaving the last thing you should do is bench them at recess and obviously what they need to do is run around Um, and so this school is actually decided instead of just giving kids a time out in a corner or whatever you're supposed to do they actually are teaching them active meditation Mm -hmm. which is like guided breath and it's not passive it's not sitting in a corner and stewing it's closing your eyes focusing on your breath and it's mindful meditation, right? That's well, the buzzword. Well, and it's also like channeling that energy. Yes. And the article also mentioned that they, they encourage the kids while they're in that room to talk about what happened, which right. is so important because I don't I don't remember detention being anything about 
what I did wrong. It was just a punishment. Right. Like, you didn't get to solve the problem. And it was never fun like The Breakfast Club. Never. <laughs> Not once. It wasn't like that at all. No. Nope. Um, my school didn't have detention. I feel like detention's this weird, like, where you came in on Saturday for detention. Like, we didn't have yeah, we that. didn't have that either. We didn't have we that. Had, you went to the principal's office, which I think is what most schools have. Now, nobody has the Breakfast Club thing where you're, like, coming well, to Saturday detention. No, like, we had it in school, like, during the day, which right. always seems stupid like because then you're then you're more behind on all of your classes. Right, the whole and, thing is dumb. Like, I guess, yeah. like, instead of your lunch period, like, again, when kids should be blowing off stuff. And this is little kids we're talking about. This is elementary yeah. school when that's what happens. And it certainly happened in my daughter's school where... It was like, go downstairs to the principal's office. And they would just sit on the bench. Mm -hmm. Waiting. Because the principal's always busy. Super busy. So they'd sit on the bench outside the principal's office. And I'd go in there and she'd say, what happened? Or they'd go to the guidance counselor. And they weren't given skills to help prevent those things from happening again. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's the whole point of this mindful meditation is not just, okay, now we're going to talk it through. But also they're talking it through in this really nice way. Like in this area of you're going to breathe, you're going to calm down, and we're going to talk it through. It's not like, what happened? What'd you do? What'd you do? Which is when a teacher sitting behind a desk. Which your blood pumping, right? Because you're scared to death. Your adrenaline is going. I, it, giving kids the tools to learn to calm themselves down. It's like yes. it's like teaching a baby to go back to sleep on their own, right? Yes. Like self-soothing. You're giving them a skill. Yeah. I, I don't know what it's like today, but I know that back in my elementary school in detention, it was always the same kids. Like 90% of the time, it was the same kids. And I went to a very, very crunchy Montessori school. So you would think that if anybody back then in the 70s would have been doing some kind of alternative thing, it would have been them. But they weren't. They were still just sticking kids in all-day detention because they didn't know what else to do. So what I love about the article is that... Um, the couple of schools that they talked to, one said there had been, I think, no suspensions mm-hmm. um, since they started the program, and the other one said that theirs had gone way down. Like, it's 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 making a huge difference. Is this yeah. a public school? This was a public school, but... The, it was, and where was it? But Baltimore? I think Baltimore. Oh. But it's running... The pr- people running the program, um, it's a nonprofit called Holistic Me, and they rolled, they've they rolled this out mm-hmm. in different schools. They had been doing a lot of after-school programs, and now yeah. they're, they're moving to this mm-hmm. detention thing. That's so um, here in New Jersey, in Bergen County, a very dear friend of mine um, runs a nonprofit. She founded it. It's called Kula for Karma, and it's all meditation and yoga. It's They go into um, disadvantaged uh, environments, and we're talking prison systems, schools, hospitals, cancer patients, and they run yoga and meditation programs. It sounds very similar where they go in and like, especially in a prison environment and they teach yoga and mindful meditation and and give tools to learn to take that energy and rather than physically acting out on it to, you know, breathe, take a moment, think about it. And so to hear you know, a really positive response coming from schools is wonderful. I mean, it's really, you know, to teach kids at that age how to do that, I think, might be uh, one step towards stopping a lot of aggressive behavior. Right, because that's what it's about, right? It's about learning to stop and breathe and center. I think also, you know, there's a lot of the the mindful meditation thing has become such a big fad. It's almost like you have to be a little skeptical in general because, like, everyone in Silicon Valley is mindful meditation. Ariana Huffington, like, all they're all talking about their, you know, mindful meditation. There's 8,000 apps for it. But um, a lot of what it is is 
that self time out, right? It's that moment. And then they go actually do the meditation. So what it's doing is giving kids a quiet space. Mm -hmm. Because if they're sitting in detention or in the principal's office, there's so much still going on them stimulus-wise. Like, mm-hmm. there's, phones are ringing, and this one's running in and out, and this, and they're sitting in this really unequal position of, like, across the desk mm-hmm. from a principal. They're already feeling crappy about themselves. They may not have gotten enough sleep the night before. You don't know what kind of breakfast Something they must, had. might be going on at home. Right. So if you can teach kids, they said the room that it's in, it's like pillows on the floor and lamps. Like automatically you're taking that kid's stress level down and like this whole feeling of uh-oh and what am I going to do. And there are kids who like to get sent to the principal's office because like it gives them a break. Mm-hmm. Or the principal, maybe have a really wonderful warm principal who's like better to hang out with than the teacher and maybe the classroom's crazy. So I think that idea that there's somewhere, this environment that's made for them to calm down mm-hmm. too is is really nice. My daughter, one of my daughter's high schools opened a health and wellness center either a year ago or two years ago, but it's there now that we have it. And they did it in response to seeing how stressed out the kids were, particularly around exam time. So, and they had a suicide at their school about two or three years ago mm. that obviously wasn't about school, um, you know, when those things happened, but it totally shook the whole community. And they opened, they just did. They took one of their classrooms, they like agreed to shift things around, and they took money, they got a grant or whatever it was, and they opened a health and wellness center, and that's all it is. It's like total chill, meditation, yoga, yoga breathing. They have a special person in there, it's not just guidance counselor. Um, and it looks like a spa. <laughs> like, it's really beautiful in terms of just, like, painted mellow colors, whatever. But they started a thing that the whole week of exams now, they have a name for it, which, of course, I can't remember now. But they do nothing but stuff like this for the kids the whole week of exams. There's picnics on the quad. There's a barbecue for the kids. There's, like, yoga classes. That The whole week. It was part of the reason we chose the school. Because I was like, okay, if they are so not looking at the kids as just numbers and just like, you know, on a track to college and how their numbers are going to look and getting them the grades and making sure everyone gets a five in their AP exam. And they're really looking at the whole kid like that in high school. I was like, I'm, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And thought that was so valuable. So I think if it can go down, in, I think the high school's needed because that's when kids right. are the most depressed and anxious and crazy. But I think at the but young kids level, are stressed too. So so stressed yeah. and don't have the words a lot of times to yeah. express it. Right. So much of it's about not being able to. They get frustrated, so they physically act out. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, they really, really these. And it says like these individual studies should be taken with a grain of salt. Like it's very clear about that. But like Amy said, they had no suspensions so far for the year, which is crazy. And the high school nearby, which also used the mindfulness programs, suspensions rates dropped and attendance increased. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It seems like a little thing that makes a big (laughs) difference. (laughs) That seems like a no-brainer. So and there are a lot of apps. Like I mentioned, I do think it's a trend. But I know um, people talk a lot about Headspace. Like if Mm -hmm. you don't have this kind of program in your school, first of all, look into it. We'll put links to the things they mentioned in the article. Mm -hmm. But Headspace is one of those apps you could download everyone, on an iPad. Everyone recommends it. Everyone recommends it. My daughters tried it. They didn't like it because they didn't like the voice, <laughs> which can sometimes happen if you don't like yeah. the voice. It's in your head. And so many people good. say to me that they love it because of the voice. I know. It's not yeah. funny, which might be a teenage thing. Yeah. Like they might need to do a teenage version that's not some man who's like, no, proper you are British man. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, but we'll have links to some of those. There's a, there's a bunch of them. And there's actually on the Amazon Fire Stick... Um, if you go into Amazon Fire TV, there's a whole channel 
that's just meditation and yoga. And Alexa has a meditation skill. I was going to say mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, I can ask Alexa and she'll yeah. like talk to me for a couple of minutes and, yeah. and do a little meditation yeah. session. <laughs> nice. So all those things are cool. So look into that. Do it. It's not, I don't know. To me, it seems like, why not? Why not? I mean, why, why not? not try it? And if you see an ROI on it, great. Yeah, I yeah. mean, even if it doesn't end up working, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that's going to hurt. Yeah. No. So try it. Right. And it seems like every school has a freaking, like a supply closet that can be turned Some into budget. this. So, yeah, it doesn't Something. need to be yeah. a big class. They could sell all those iPads. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our mindful meditation of the week. I don't know, I think our voices are up for it, but <laughs> we're not. We're going to be very calm the rest of the segment. <laughs> so we will be right back with our Bites of the Week. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. So today we have on the phone with us... Devorah Heitner. She's the founder of Raising Digital Natives and the author of ScreenWise, Helping Kids Thrive and Survive in Their Digital World. Hi, Devorah. Hello. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. We are really excited. So Amy and I both received the book. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I will tell you, we get a lot of <laughs> we get a lot of books about, you know, raising digital kids and how to manage screen time and all these kind of things. But this is a very different book. Um, because it's a much more proactive book for parents about how to really act as a guide um, for your kids, both on their sort of online world and managing screen time and all that kind of stuff, um, and really about how parents don't need to be scared <laughs> of jumping in there, which I think is really important, and how you do have you know more understanding and hands-on experience dealing with the things, regardless of the technology. Definitely trying to decrease the panic and increase yeah. the empowerment. <laughs> um, so, you know, can you talk a little bit about how the book came about and where you saw the need and then how you took this approach? Absolutely. So, I mean, I work with families all over the country and a little bit internationally, and I see, and school districts, and I see the panic everywhere that I go. There's such a disconnect between often what kids are actually doing and experiencing in their day-to-day lives with technology and what they're wanting to do and hoping to do with their devices and what their parents fear <laughs> and, what, and what parents are being told to fear. They're, be, they're told, you know, if you are a good parent, you should do this or your kid shouldn't have screen time. And when you equate good parenting with no screen time and no, there are basically no kids for whom that's their reality, there's such a disconnect. And then parents are prevented from learning from one another, having honest conversations with their kids and one another with their own parenting peers. So there's, a, there's just a real breakdown around this stuff. And then schools are sending devices home, sending Chromebooks and iPads home. So that just adds fuel to the fire because parents are like, wait, I thought I'm already, I already feel bad that my kids <laughs> engage with devices. Now school is sending home a device. What am I supposed to do? So when you, I mean, that is absolutely what's happening everywhere. And I think also, right, there's this fear of what is good screen time um, versus bad screen time, which we don't really like to classify, but I think a lot of educators and parents start to classify like that, like YouTube bad, but you know, Google Docs good. Um, <laughs> right, and you can actually be quite a jerk in a Google Doc and do amazing, helpful things in YouTube, on YouTube. <laughs> right. yeah. um, so how do you help parents sort of get over that, you know, that fear that just technology is bad or the guilt? I think it's more guilt than fear mm-hmm. that their kids have way too much screen time and they're not being productive. 
and how and can I they think help? We want to tap into kids' essential desire to do interesting things, to be critical consumers, and they are critical consumers. They don't love everything tech. They only love really quality apps and games. They're, they're hugely much more critical than we give them credit for, and they want to be good friends. So when they connect with friends, whether it's in Musical.ly or Instagram or another social app, for example, or via a game, they they want to have fun. They want to be positive. And so we have to tap into that essentially positive nature of our kids, which I think we're pretty good at seeing most of the time. I think parents, certainly in my circles, are good at seeing like, oh, well, he just wanted to play with the other kid and he didn't know how. But we somehow with technology kind of leap to these very negative conclusions about what kids might want to do in the space. And it's not that your kid might not be curious to look at pornography, for example, which we might say that's bad screen time, right? I think maybe all of us could say we don't want our kids to see ISIS beheadings on YouTube. That's right. bad screen time. But there are a lot of positive things that kids want to do, so helping them tap into those things and also being realistic about the fact that most of us are kind of somewhere in between, you know, eating kale all the time and eating Snickers bars all the time (laughs) in terms of our diet, and that a lot of what we do is not either good or bad, but just innocuous, you know, when we scroll through Twitter. (laughs) You know, we're, we're not saving the world, but nor are we harming ourselves and others. Do you, I mean, what do you feel like is the number one thing you hear from parents, their biggest concerns? I think parents are very concerned about distraction and they don't know how to deal with their own distraction. And most of us struggle with being as focused in our digital spaces as we could be. And when I was writing ScreenWise, I actually had to turn off my Wi-Fi for an hour to two hours every morning until I'd written at least 1,000 to 1,500 words. Hmm. And then I turned it back on and, you know, had a sort of a normal connected day running, raising digital natives and doing my thing. And of course, tons of email and Twitter and all those things that everyone does. But I think kids are being told it's a moral failing when they're distracted rather than being given some techniques and saying, okay, well, actually this is challenging to deal with distraction and to do your homework at the site of all these other fun things. And most of us would probably rather watch YouTube videos than you know, learn these facts that your homework. And, and, and so what can we do to help kids manage that that doesn't tell them that they've failed morally, but rather recognizes, yeah, this, this is a distracting environment. Let's co-create some solutions. So I think distraction is the number one thing, you know, that I hear from parents. I do also hear a lot of parents worried about negative social interactions. Kids might get into a gaming environment or a social app and, and have bad experiences. Well, going back to distractions, this is Amy. Um, my husband and I, we have this fight all the time at home because he'll come home and he'll see my daughter on the computer with two screens open. She's got the split screen. She's doing her homework on one screen and she's watching TV on another screen. She's watching <laughs> oh, Gilmore Girls. Thanks, Rebecca. That's You're been welcome. her latest. Um, and she claims that it's absolutely fine and then my husband freaks out because he's like she should be in a quiet room doing her homework and then I remind him that like both of us watched TV you know just kind of on all the time while we were doing our homework how much has the distraction changed like is this really a new thing is it just that it's so omnipresent I think the ability to double and triple screen has, has certainly multiplied, right? Like the number of screen to people ratio is different than when we were kids where we might have had to fight with a sibling over what to watch on TV and we didn't have a second and third screen to go tune into. Uh, and the screens are more interactive, so it might be different to be FaceTiming or playing Minecraft, for example, with your friends and also trying to do homework because those are both pretty gripping activities and pretty immersive. But yeah, if if you can get your work done and and watch TV, I would 
do a science experiment with your daughter and see how long it takes to get the work done with and without Gilmore Girls. And, I mean, Gilmore Girls is a great example of you also successfully indoctrinated her into, like, some old media and your own taste culture, which is something we can do now, which is so (laughs) amazing, right? We can get kids into stuff that we like that might not even be on broadcast TV at the moment. Right. She should aspire to be Rory, Amy. (laughs) I don't watch the show, so I don't know what that means. It is a world lesson. It's definitely better than, you know, if she wanted to be, like, one of the girls in Pretty Little Liars. (laughs) Another one of her favorite shows. Or Real Housewives. We like Rory better, though. As adults, we prefer Rory. That's exactly. I mean, we always treat it as, or, or not always, but I, the agreement that we finally came to was as long as her homework is getting good grades, let her do it the way she feels comfortable. My son likes to do it listening to music, you know? Right. So everybody has their own thing. I feel like there's a difference between homework that's just homework, like your basic busy work homework, and studying for a test. Yeah. You know? She'll say, well, when we were like, why are you distracting yourself? She'll say, oh, but I'm just copying this thing for science. Like she's not, it's just like busy work, which I hate anyway. Right. So, yeah. And that's the question is, why are we even giving this stupid work in in this day and age? I mean, that's flipping is such a great use of tech. And when schools do it well, especially at the high school level where students can come home and watch the lecture and then go into class and and have it be a lab situation or a collaborative situation, I think could be really awesome and engaging. But Having kids essentially carry a Chromebook or a tablet around so that they can do worksheets is really dumb. Right, that you could just do on paper. It doesn't really make sense. So what is, so you kind of work with families. So distractions part of it. And then what do you hear from the kids? Kids feel like their parents are on our devices all the time. That's one of, and it it did make me feel really guilty when I heard that because I am that mom. I'm running my business. I'm constantly connected. And so, gosh, what would my kid say this to a researcher? (laughs) Mine definitely would. (laughs) And so, it is eye-opening. They they're very observant. They definitely notice that parents are texting and driving. They notice that parents lie about how long they're on. They'll say, oh, five more minutes, and they're not giving an accurate. They're not transitioning in five more minutes, oh, it's 20 more too. minutes. So <laughs> kids kids are sharp about that. And some, sometimes I give them an opportunity to design apps to fix problems with technology. And one of the apps that kids have designed sort of variations on in classrooms all over the country is an app that gets their parents off their device. <laughs> wow. That's a great Busted. idea. Yeah. It is. And we talk about that a lot here, like that sort of modeling that you you know, you, it's hard for you to be telling your kids one thing if you're doing exactly what you're telling them not to do. Um, so what is your recommendation for parents so that, that they can not do that? I think we, we need to have a kind of a safe word for over-teching, <laughs> right, so that my kid is allowed to call me out as a screen monster. And it's not that we have the same rules. And he gets that some of the work that I'm doing on my computer pays the rent for our apartment and does other things. But if I'm spending all of the time that we have together, which is relatively limited, he's a kid who goes to school in aftercare, so we only get so much sort of face-to-face time every weekday anyway. If I'm spending all that time on my device, then he might be right to say that I'm a screen monster because sometimes what I feel is necessary isn't really necessary, right? I could actually put, you know, confine that work. And the 21st century workplace has a lot of bleed into all of our personal lives Mm -hmm. and our, our employer kind of can always reach us our extended family can always reach us. And so one of the big things that I'm pushing families to kind of try to remember is boundaries are important. And the boundaries are different than when we were kids, but we can teach our kids that it is okay to unplug so that they can have a little less connectivity anxiety. We can teach them, hey, I I unplug when I help you with your homework or when it's bedtime and I'm reading with you. And you can unplug when you come to breakfast because that's what we do in this family. And it kind of create those 
sacred spaces, if you will, in the week or, you know, unplugged spaces that are really untouchable and, and to teach kids that it's okay to give their friends those boundaries. Like, Hey dude, I can't text after nine because yeah. they don't know yeah. it's okay to set those boundaries. And if they see us doing it, we're giving them permission. No, those are great tips. So we really recommend that everyone pick up ScreenWise. Mm-hmm. I think it's just full of smart, practical, non-scary. <laughs> yes, and um, and not. It's just so not hyperbolic, which I think is the best approach. Um, so thank you for writing it. We love it. Um, we will have a link to ScreenWise helping kids thrive and survive in their digital world on our show page and on our Facebook page. And thanks, Devora, for joining us today. This was really enlightening and I think something a lot to, for our listeners to think about. Thanks for what you do as well. It's, your podcast is really great. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Bye. We will be right back with our Bites of the Week. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. All right. We are back with our Bites of the Week. And Amy, you always get to start, so go ahead. Okay. So since this is Thanksgiving week, um, uh, it's no secret, one of my absolute favorite shows is The West Wing. And uh, I have a tradition. Every time I'm cooking a big holiday dinner, I just line up a bunch of episodes of West Wing and Friends that all have to do with holidays. So I watch like all the Christmas episodes, all the Thanksgiving episodes. And out of all of those, my absolute favorite episode is the Shibboleth episode of West Wing, which was the Thanksgiving episode from the second season. And it's a great episode because you don't have to have watched any other episode of the show. You can just like drop in and watch that one and you will get everything. I think the only thing you might have to know is that Charlie, the president's body man, his mom died. Like that's it. And the president kind of treats him like a son. Other than that, everything is is really self-contained. It's a beautiful episode. It's a heartwarming episode. It's a hilarious episode. Um, A lot of turkey humor. (laughs) And so that episode, it's, it's just probably my favorite episode of the entire seven seasons of West Wing. So watch that on Thanksgiving. I love that show. (laughs) Me too. Uh, Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and if you're a fan of West Wing Weekly, they uh, just uh, last week or the week before, they, you know, they're running through the show episode by episode they just did their episode about that episode so you can also listen to them talk about it and it's it's fantastic it's very meta all right andrea (laughs) okay so i'm doing gadgets still um and i actually think i'm really excited for thanksgiving because i want to get everybody to get up and take a walk well was that or go out and play football right (laughs) we just watch football because the lions are on national tv which is the only day they are so my husband gets to watch them oh good So last week I talked about my TomTom Touch activity tracker. This week I've been playing with the Fitbit Charge 2 because I'm determined to find one of these that I actually want to keep and not put in my top drawer. (laughs) (laughs) So the Fitbit I like. It's the second version of their Fitbit Charge. Um, It's also slim like the TomTom. They've actually turned them around now so the screens are facing you. You know, like on some of them you had to turn your arm literally like – 90 degrees, 45 degrees oh, right. to, to be able to see the screen. So you can see the screen. It comes with a purple band, guys. So no way. That's, yep, <laughs> purple band. And I like this because it's constantly giving you your heart rate. So if you take a spin class or you're just going out for a walk and you really want to try to 
push yourself a little bit, you can just get an instant reading of your heart rate. You don't need one of those straps around your chest or anything. So this is something that appeals to me. Um, and it's got sport modes and stuff, you know, so you can clock a run if you go for a run. It's got, are you ready for this? It has this two-minute guided breathing thing so that if you are completely and totally stressed out, you just hit it, and it guides you through this two-minute meditation, oh, telling wow. you it just keeps flashing and telling you to oh, just breathe, nice. which I think lately we're all going to need that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then, of course, what I love is that it gives me my smartphone notification. So if my phone is tucked in my purse and it's ringing or I forget to take it off silent and my phone rings, my wrist vibrates. And to me, that's really, really important mm-hmm. so that I don't miss those messages and calls. So that's the next one I'm testing, and I like this one a lot. Cool. All right. Well, mine is also TV. Um, this weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, is the long-awaited Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So it's four, I think, hour and a half long special episodes. It's Gilmore Girls for all seasons. My guess is each episode's a season. Um, where it's like a or it's like a year in the life. So my guess is each one's gonna cover like one season of the year. So for those of you who were Gilmore Girls fans, you already know this, but those of you who weren't, the creator of the show did not get to write the last season. She had a contract dispute and was basically kicked off the show. (laughs) Um, And the actors were locked in, so they had to do it. And so the last season did not end the way she envisioned it from the beginning, and I think was a big disappointment to many Gilmore Girls fans. It just didn't have what Gilmore Girls had. So this is sort of uh, Amy Sherman Palladino's, I don't know, like her her time to shine, sort of redo the Gilmore Girls how she would have wanted it to end. You can certainly binge watch. It's on Netflix. Um, so you can binge watch all, I don't know, seven seasons of the Gilmore Girls first if you want, but I bet you don't even need to. Um, so you can see the trailer now, but it's this is it. Thanksgiving weekend, people. Lockdown, and you can watch like six hours straight, which is what I plan on doing um, all day Friday. So that is our that is our special Thanksgiving bites of the week. Um, well, have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Take pictures of your turkey. (laughs) Send us your turkey. Send us yourself exercising with your Fitbits on. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because as if that's I'm totally going to do that. Um, Yeah, and that's it. So you can check out everything we talked about today on parentingbites.com and on facebook.com slash parentingbites. We'll have links to everything we talked about on the show. Check us out on iTunes. Um, Rate, review, subscribe. And of course, on play.it where you can find Parenting Bites and all of the other CPS podcasts. Until next week when we're like, we're, we're approaching holidays really fast, right? Like Thanksgiving. And then mm-hmm. before you know it, it's going to be snowing and Christmas. Yep. <laughs> All right. Talk to you ladies next week. Thanks, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.